Good afternoon, everybody. This is Corey Hepler for the Crazy Monkey Inc. podcast on Anchor. I am here again with co-host Jared Gifford. Jared, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. We actually got a pretty good uh, set of announcements coming up. Yes, we do. Do you want to kick this off or do you want me to do it? You know, I'm just your co-host. So you, get, you, 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 you tell everyone the good news. Praise Jesus. All right. We've got a couple of bits of awesome information for y'all. Um, Taxi Cab Joe number two has just got its ninth page inked and sent in. It looks absolutely amazing. And I'm told by my artist, Gasparo Rico, that it should be all done and ready to be colored and lettered by the beginning of August at the latest. That's actually that's actually pretty good. I mean, yeah, that 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 dude. Uh, I mean, I'll totally give him praise because I mean, I mean, he did my last issue of Darum, so I mean, that dude knows how to churn out the pages. Oh yeah, and he's he's an amazing artist. So if you ever get a chance, look up Gaspar Orico on Facebook or on Twitter. He's also on Twitter as well or Instagram. He is an amazing Italian artist. Oh yeah, he's he's awesome. I mean. As I said, I mean, he, he's done work for me, he's done work for you, and the work he's done for the both of us has been amazing. Now we're going to jump right into a part of the segment of the show that is not only riveting, but also quite outstanding, because I am super excited to announce that Brian J.L. Glasses, Caden Slark is Furious, issue number one is three-fourths of the way funded within its second day of Kickstarter. Well, that's amazing. Two days into this Kickstarter, and he's already three-fourths of the way funded. I mean, that's, that's... I mean, it goes to show you that, you know, the guy has got quite the following. Exactly. And the best part about it is I looked through the previous Kickstarters. This is the... Best Kickstarter we've had with the fastest amount of closing time. Oh, yeah. I mean, because, and this is not to slight anything else, because every Kickstarter we've had thus far has been successful. Yes, it has. But it's usually always taken time, and it's usually been at least several weeks before any Kickstarter's gained momentum and until it's finally gotten funded. This is the first time, and it's kind of unprecedented, but this is the first time that it's pretty much nearly funded within the course of two days. Now, in a way, and I don't want to sound cocky on Brian's part, but I am not too shocked about that. Because if you'll notice what he's done for the comic community already, he's got a pretty amassed following. So it's yeah. not really that like, it's not really that surprising. <laughs> However, it yeah. is extremely impressive. Oh, I, I, I completely agree. Um, the thing is, is that he's got a lot of contacts. He's a veteran in the industry. I mean, the guy's won awards for Christ's sake, you know. So, I mean, the whole thing is, is that he knows what he's doing. He's a big professional, and 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 and, and, and like I said, so all these years he's cultivated <laughs> relationships. So, it's, so you're right. You know, it's no surprise that he's gained. This uh, this many people uh, following his Kickstarter already, and the the interesting thing is 
the two awards that he's won, the two Harvey Awards that are so sought out in the comic community, whether it's in the indie circuit or whether it's in the mainstream circuit, those are very sought out awards. They are not given out like the Pulitzer Prize of yeah. a kid's novel. These are very, very sought out rewards that you have to be extremely impressive with your work. You have to be tight with your lining. They don't you just, have, they to, don't, they you don't have just, to be amazing, basically. You have to they be don't just throw these out like, that's, that's what I'm saying. You don't have, they don't just throw these out like candy. Exactly. Um, cause everybody would be getting them and then they yeah. wouldn't be, they wouldn't be worth anything. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And so the whole point is, is the guy knows what he's doing. He's a veteran. He's a really good storyteller. He's, you know, he's, he, he's, 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 he's been in the industry quite a while. I mean, he knows what he's doing, and he's gained his fans. I mean, the whole thing is, it wasn't one of those just things that it was like, one day, he had a ton of fans. Yeah. I mean, he's gained his fans over many years in the comic industry. And I have been seeing on Facebook the pages that have been being turned in from Samir Samal that Mike Montalvo has been lettering and coloring. And it's fantastic. Holy fucking balls. Yes. They are phenomenal. They are. Uh, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like you know. I mean, uh, you know, the the thing is, is he he struck gold when he when he found that guy because I mean, what I like about Samir Samal's work, and I've looked over it and I've and I've checked the way he does. He's got how would I put it? He's got like a modern take on classic comic book art. It's like it's like. He looks like he looks like one of those guys that could have he could have been doing comics in in the seventies, the eighties, and nineties. He looks like he's like one of those. I mean, but but as I said, it's a modern take on it. So yeah. it's like it, it, I I equate him and and, and, and once again I, I don't know if everybody would agree with me, but this is just my take. I equate him to someone like John Romita Jr. Mm-hmm. Like John Romita Jr. What I've always liked about his stuff. It's just that is it looks like he could have been it looks like he could have been doing comics back in the classic era, but like he started in the late eighties early nineties, um, but he's he so his is like a modern take on classic art, and that's what I and that's how I equate Samir Samal. Samir Samal has got like a a modern take on classic comic book art. And what's interesting about Samir Samal is before he tackled this furious. Way way before it was even a thing, he tackled your number four for Darum. Well, at least the cover for the cover, and holy shit! Yeah, oh, that, it's that, amazing. That that one that, that cover for number four. Well, naturally, this was when it was announced that he was going to be doing the art. Yeah, exactly. For Brian Gelglass's Furious, and then and then uh, you know Raz, God bless the man, um, had decided. Okay, well, let's have him do. Some covers for some of our big titles because because mm-hmm. he did he did a cover for Death Squad Zero mm-hmm. he did a cover for Midnight's Avenger and then he uh, yeah he also did a cover for my book Darren Number Four exactly and, and it looks awesome I mean it's like what I like about it is is it, and it doesn't take away from anybody else who's done Darren as well because every person on Darren has been a great artist mm-hmm. and and I've had great artists on it and I've been fortunate for that. Um, but uh, his was kind of his own thing, just like as Gaspar brought that sort of dark radiance to Darren Number Three. What I like about the cover of Darren Number Four, what Samir Samal did, was it's got kind of this Saturday morning cartoon slash serial feel to it. Yeah, <laughs> and 
stepping aside from Samir Samal because he is an amazing, amazing artist. Mm-hmm. There are other artists in the industry that I would like to touch on, not only in the indie circuit, but also in the big two, which I feel have, you know, gained a rapport throughout the artist community that I feel that if I asked them to do a cover and they did it, I'd be fucking ecstatic. Oh, yeah, it would be awesome. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like, uh, you know, we, we've been fortunate to have really good artists at our company. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so the the whole thing is, is like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, um, and, and that's kind of like, for me, what, what Crazy Monkey Inc. is. It's almost like, um, um, you know, and I, I'd, I'd like to use this example because these guys have been inspiration to me. It's like, like when the Image founders started Image. Exactly. Um I'd like Crazy Monkey Inc. to be that kind of place where good talent can come into our doors and and get their comic books out. They own everything, mm-hmm. and all you know, and then and then all we have to do to keep the business alive is just you know charge for the regular overhead stuff, yeah. and that's it. But you know, as far as like keep it, you know, because of it, and then that was because uh, I had talked with Brian Gel Glass before. And that's what he used. So one of the things that attracted him to Crazy Monkey Inc. Yeah. was the the kind of deal that Raz had set up for people. And it's a deal that's very similar to what they have over at Image. It's basically you get to keep the rights to all the characters you create. Um, any money you make off your comic book is yours. Yes. Um, you know, and um, and uh, and the only thing you have to do is just basically you know you know just uh, is just you know the overhead costs as I was talking about. The only thing the only thing the company charges for the overhead costs, you know, just the regular stuff. Yeah. Um, but everything else, yeah, it's yours. You know, you pretty much we're uh, we're the kind of company that pretty much lets you make your own creations, and we don't ever, uh, as I said, like Image, we don't ever interfere with those creations. Yeah, we don't want to stifle anybody either, because when you stifle a creation and an artist process, you basically stifle, um, you basically stifle the mind. Uh, yeah, the, 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 well, they, they go hand in hand. Uh, the thing is, is that, um... Well, but not only that, but it's you know it's got to be frustrating. I mean, so going back into the past, I'm going to be reaching here, but the um, you look at guys like Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster who created Superman, and yes. you look at like Jack Kirby. They got, I mean, unfortunately, like at the time, this was kind of the way comics were done. Was back in the golden age, was was um, basically you gave up the rights to your characters to the business. The business got to keep your character, and you just got paid for the page rate. Yeah. That was that, that was what was known as work for hire. And that's the way comic books were done until the 90s. I mean, you know, there were a few independent companies that would pop up here and there, but that was, that was pretty much, for the most part, with comic books, you were a work for hire guy. Um, whatever you wrote or you drew, it was... Um, or you would draw whatever you wrote or you draw uh, would draw the the thing was is it belonged to the company and you just got paid for the page rate yeah um and um good thing about yeah and then said the, the sad thing is with with Jack Kirby and guys like Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster 
they never saw any revenue from their characters. No, they didn't. If they if they ever got any money, it was because they were churning out page rates. But eventually, when 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 like somebody else took over their book, they didn't see anything. They didn't get they didn't get shit, you know. And uh, and, and it basically took Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. They they had to sue DC in the late seventies in order to get compensation for their creation. And it was a lot of compensation because yeah. DC had taken them for quite a lot of money. It wasn't just uh, a drop in the bucket type of well, gas that they had owed them. Well, no, actually, uh, well, well, yeah, but basically, well, but, well, basically, was they they well, what it was was Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster were suing DC because they wanted base they they basically wanted compensation for their creation and they wanted the yeah. rights for their characters. Well, well and, they, and it wasn't right. And I, I totally agree that it was like because it wasn't right that you had Jerry Siegel and Joel Schuster. They were they, they were basically barely living above poverty in the late seventies. Superman movie hits. It's making millions and millions of dollars. They don't get nothing. They don't get nothing. Which is shit. Yeah, exactly. And they're the people who created the character. And you're and you're uh, thinking, how is this possible? How can a company stiff a creator which basically made them yeah. the bulk of the money that they got in the seventies? How yeah. is that possible? Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. And and so and so like in the late seventies when when they when they sued DC, well then what happened was they they were able to finally, they, they kind of helped pave the way so that people could get compensation for their creations later on. Because then DC was forced to pay them a twenty thousand dollar annual pension, and then anyway, and then and then basically that's actually when you they got to see their names emblazoned everywhere on Superman merchandise. That's why every time you see something Superman, it always says created by Jerry uh, Jerry Siegel and and Joe, uh, Joel Schuster. Um, and and then like I said and then and then yeah Jack Kirby poor guy never got compensated for any of his characters. No, nope. he the guy had to keep working until he died in '94. See, and that's a big problem because yeah. he brought about so many characters for the Marvel universe. He mm-hmm. thought, you know, well, he did surely it for, the Mar- any sh- company he worked for, he yeah. always did that. He's like, surely these mm-hmm. companies. Would show him some type of compensational respect. The, well, yeah, or at least you know, at least compensate his family. Compensate, yeah, he's like that's the Do whole something. thing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, but yeah, um, but then, like I said, what happened was the good thing about like when when uh, studios or or what like when companies when companies like Image came around. What was good was that then started opening it up to where basically it's like, oh hey, listen, you don't have to be a slave to any of these corporations anymore. You don't have to be a slave to DC. You don't have to be a slave to Marvel. You can do your own thing, do your own imprint, make make one hundred percent of of the revenue as opposed to like four percent, which you get over at corporations like DC and Marvel. Yeah, and then think about it. You know, the whole thing is, you got, and, and, and this was back in the heyday, because I, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, and you, you go and you look at the stuff in the 90s, uh, there were guys that were making insane amounts of money in, mm-hmm. in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, uh, but what's funny is, uh, you know, because uh, a lot of people would be making really good money over at DC and Marvel, but here's the funny thing. Um, I, uh, I had watched an interview with Todd McFarlane recently. Todd McFarlane had actually said, um, he, he said, just imagine that, you know, 4% of, 
sales Marvel DC. You, they go and they start Image, and here's the whole thing. And if you're only getting four percent of the take, and like uh, out of DC Marvel, and you sold like millions of copies, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you're making a, still a pretty decent salary. But just imagine, you'd only have to make maybe a quarter of that. If you're making 100% off of every sale, yeah, you'd only, you'd only have to sell a quarter amount of the books as DC and Marvel. But here, here's the hilarious thing, and this is, shows you how, how, like how much money they were getting, and, and, and especially in the early days of Image, mm-hmm. was they were outselling. When they, when they first started, when Image first started, they were outselling DC, and they were like just barely under what Marvel was selling, just barely under it. And I was like, this is an independent comic company keeping 100% of the, of the take with with every comic sold. Yeah. And so that so they that's why they had insane amounts of cash back then. Um and uh, and 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 the whole thing is is uh, but, but either way what they opened it up for was that basically that helped creators to basically think. And then they start and then they basically started to say, "Oh, well, hey, you know, I have these great ideas." DC and Marvel aren't going to sell them, so maybe I can take my idea to Image, get it published, and then and then I can actually make a pretty decent salary because uh, because I get to keep 100% of my profits. And you get to keep all, all the creator-owned stuff as well. Yeah, and that actually, and, and I've got to give full props to Image for that because that paved the way for companies like ours, you know, like especially like with what Raz has started with Crazy Monkey Inc., um, Crazy Monkey Inc. is one of those things that that spawned from that that, that from that revolution that happened in the '90s with Image, Where, you know, because we are also a company that lets you keep 100% of your creators' rights. Exactly. You get to you get to keep you 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 get you get to keep uh, all, all the money from your sales. Mm-hmm. You get to keep the merchandising rights. Yep. You, know, you said. Just as I mentioned before, the only thing the company ever takes out is the percentage for overhead. Which is not a lot. Yeah. I I do love the fact that um, when you work at Crazy Monkey Inc., and we've said this before in previous podcasts, and mm-hmm. I, I'll continue to say it until, you know, I stop working for Crazy Monkey Inc., which is probably when I'll die. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a family. It's like a it's like a tight knit family of creators that help each really other is. out, and I love the fact that you know not only do we help promote each other, but we help lift each other up when we're feeling down, feeling you know maybe our stuff isn't doing so well, maybe we're not selling as much as we can. Like even just you and I, you yeah. and I will help each other. I mean, hey, you know what? I'm not feeling the creative process too much, and the other will say, hey, you know what? What's going on? You know, talk talk you through it, and then get to the core of it, and then realize, well, you just need to keep on writing. Well, it's so funny. Is a lot of people talk about this. Talk about family, yeah, and how when you are in a business together, it becomes a family. And the funny thing is, is like you know, uh, when I was a kid, I used to think that that was just kind of funny, and that that, that didn't really happen. But no, it's, it's really the truth. The whole the whole thing is, is like when you get to know your coworkers, and you get to know the people that that are in the business. It really does become like a family, 
But then, like any family, you know, yeah, you have you know have like your your strange uncle or <laughs> or the or you know or the, the the angry brother that you'd rather stay away from, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So so the whole thing is is like, you know uh, you you've got your less reputable members of the family, but 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 like a family, as I said, it becomes like it becomes like this big community, and 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 you're a part of that community. Yeah, and you find a way to get the fuck along. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so for the most part, <laughs> but yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but but anyway, I want to I want to segue into this because I, we'll talk about this too. But we also still have the um, Monsters on the Run number two, which is still running on Kickstarter. Yes, it is. It's actually um, a little more than than halfway funded, which is good. Yeah, um, and and as I said, uh, and this one's pretty. This one's pretty simple. Uh, just five hundred dollar goal. You know, anybody listening to this, please check it out. It's done by Mark Swan, an amazing artist who's been working in animation since forever. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's got experience under his belt that just amazes the hell out of me. Uh, I mean, yeah. So once again, to reiterate for those who maybe are only just barely getting into the podcast now, it's like Mark Swan. He has worked on uh, pretty much your entire childhood. Okay, mm-hmm. this this man has worked on Thunder the Barbarian. This man has worked. Um, with Don Blue Studios, um, Warner Brothers, Dis- Warner Brothers, Disney. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, this man, this man helped create a Goofy movie. Okay, so if he can't give him enough props to that, I mean, this man made a Goofy movie. You know, and then and once again, another one of people's favorites. This dude helped make Space Jam. Space Jam. Okay. <laughs> if you don't know what Space Jam is. You need to go and look it up and watch it. It's yeah. an amazing movie, awesome animation, it's funny, it's lighthearted, yeah. it's got the Disney Looney Tunes aspect to it, and it's just an all-around great family movie. There's nothing wrong with it, there's nothing suggestive, it's something you can pop in any time, watch with your kids, and it's mm-hmm. just, it's amazing to watch, and... It's very humbling, I don't know mm-hmm. if it's to you, but it's humbling to me knowing that the person that worked on these films has a comic coming out from our Well, company. that's what I'm saying. Well, these work with some amazing talents. Yes, he I has. mean, that's what I'm saying. And then it was like Don Bluth Studios, because I mean, the dude, dude worked with, with, with Don Bluth and Steven Spielberg, okay? I mean, this guy, well, he worked on American Tale, Land Before Time, All Dogs Go to Heaven, Rock-A-Doodle. I mean, yeah, you know, he's, he's worked with some great people. And then also, and this is another thing, this is another thing that really gets to me, and this goes into comic geek of me. Yeah. It's like, this dude, when he was starting out, worked on Thunder the Barbarian, and then, for those who don't know, Thunder the Barbarian, the, con- the character concepts and the designs were designed by Jack Kirby. Exactly. And that segues back to what we talked about about Jack Kirby, and it's just amazing to know that not only has he touched our childhoods in such an amazing and fantastic and phenomenal way, he's also given us a legacy to look up to and also be like, well, you know what, if he did that, I can do that as well. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying, but it's just, I just tremendous respect for the guy, because... Uh, you know, and I've talked with him before. Really humble guy. He really is. Really easy to get along with. And, 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 and you know, and, and, and what I like about it is um, whenever he's working on something, he never loses his enthusiasm. The dude is like a big kid, you know. He's like, uh, he's like, he, he, um, he still gets enjoyment from, from doing animation. 
you know, even as, even as an older guy now. He reminds me of Floyd Norman. Exactly. He really does, because whenever he's talking about, you know, what he used to do or what he's doing right now, there is never not a glint in this guy's eye about how he talks about it. And I'm just like, this guy well, he is never, like yeah. being in front of Floyd Norman and yeah. just... All the freaking time. He always, he always, he, yeah, he always has those bright, exciting stories. Yeah, and and I, and I totally love that. And, and but then, <laughs> but then I, I I never seem like it's like he, he he never seems bitter to me. I mean, if he ever is bitter, I've never seen it. <clears throat> but it's like I I, I've never I've never seen like a story where he's like, oh yeah, you know, this happened and it sucked and this guy was awful and 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 the whole experience was stupid. You know, I've never seen him do that. No. Uh, every single time, every memory he has, and he talks about the animation industry, he's always talking about how cool it was, and the guys that he talked to, and the people he got to work with. You know, I, uh, I know this sounds really interesting, but I would love to see, you know how there's a documentary on Floyd Norman? Yeah. I would love to see them make a documentary of on Mark, Mark Swan. I would watch that every day. Oh, you know yeah. how cool that would be? That would be awesome, actually. Because the documentary would have to be at least two and a half hours long. Oh, Which exactly. is how much as he's done? Are you kidding me? Well, you know, the whole thing is, it's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure they'd find a way to do it. But either way, there has to be one. Exactly. I totally agree. There has there to be has one. There has to be one. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the whole thing is, is uh, but, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, uh, and that's why, that's why, if you ever get the chance, I'm going to plug him again. Monsters on the Run number two, Kickstarter running right now. Uh, you, we've still we've still got about what thirteen days? Something like that, thirteen days. Yeah, we've got about we've got about thirteen days left on the Kickstarter. Please contribute to this. You know, make it a reality, make it a success. I mean, the whole thing is is that it's totally worth it. As I said, this guy is a part of your childhood. If like I'm telling you, you read through that book, and it's like you're you're just you're transported back to your childhood again. It's like if you were to read, if you were to make a comic out of the land before time, which would be totally cool. Oh, yeah. I would, like, be blown away. I'd be buying that, mm -hmm. especially if he'd made it a graphic novel. That would mm -hmm. be super sweet. It's like reading that with monsters. Yeah. Oh, exactly. It's, 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 it's like you got the classic horror movie monsters, you know, mm -hmm. like the golden age of classic monsters but it's done in a way that is very entertaining for kids mm -hmm. so and, 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 and even adults can enjoy it too super easy to read yeah exactly it's it's a very enjoyable read it's it, and like I said it's like it's like it's like watching a film mm -hmm. but just but you're just you're just going and reading pages. That's that's the only that's the only difference. But exactly. I mean, the visuals are there, <clears throat> the story is there, um, so it, it's like totally worth it. So that's what I'm saying. Plug him once again. Mark Swan, Monsters on the Run number two. Check out the Kickstarter. Support it. You know, make it successful. It's you will, it's totally worth it. I guarantee As, you, this is a Kickstarter. You will absolutely enjoy to yeah. support. Yes, and and, and and as I said, we are also simultaneously, and as, as I said, it's totally blows my mind how quick it's been going up, but also, once I'm going to plug it real quick, Candace Lark is furious, Brian Jail Glass, I mean, you know, it, he did this project over at Dark Horse, now he's doing it with us at Crazy Monkey Inc., um, Kickstarter's running right now, 
Also check that out. I mean, support both guys. Support both. Uh, support everyone in the creative community. I mean, both these books are going to be worth it. I mean, you know, and and I want to reiterate: these Kickstarters are not to fund the books. No, they're not. The books they're are going to come out regardless, one way or the other. We have the money to fund the books. Exactly. These Kickstarters are to. Are, are so that we can distribute the books ourselves, so that uh, so that we can get the books out to the people as quick as possible, um, as easy as possible, and we don't have to rely on, on on another company to distribute them for us. And it's a lot easier that way too, because then we're not having to pay another company company for shipping costs, and not having to pay them for holding costs, and not having to pay them for all these other costs that we could just completely slide ourselves and do all on our own and use yeah, just the that, pre-order Kickstarter campaign exactly. money to get it taken care of so it could yeah. get out to the masses for the ones that had thrown the money towards the exactly. Kickstarter. So that they'd be like, holy crap, not only is this an amazing Kickstarter, there's also an indie company that cares about the people who made it funded 100% of the way. Oh yeah, totally, and I, I totally agree with that, and that's what I'm saying, and that's the reason why we're doing it. Is is the whole thing is is that, and and that's why that's why I just wanted to clear the air and let people know these kickstarters are not to fund the books. The books are basically guaranteed to already be funded. Yes, these kickstarters are a pre-order model which we are using to cover distribution costs. And that's why we're not asking for thousands and thousands upon thousands of dollars to help fund our books no, because we've no. got that covered. That's what I'm saying. We've got that taken care of. Well, yeah, so we usually we usually set uh, we usually set a, a fairly low amount. Some some books we do at 500, some books we do at 1000, um, you know, um, and I think the only Kickstarter we had that was maybe that was maybe a little bit more expensive was when we did our first graphic novel. Exactly, that was a Romeo and Juliet um, a graphic novel that was being done by uh, Stefano Cardicelli, exactly. which he does some great books out of our company. By the way, awesome, check and them he, out. And he is getting the pages taken care of and turned in for the graphic novel. For the graphic novel, so it is in production right now. It is all funded and taken care of. Mm-hmm. We are just waiting final pages to get it printed and yeah. out, so it is coming. Just and, and, but, but I'll just say, just to let the audience know, the thing is, that was probably our most expensive project, but we only set the bar at 2000 Yeah. I mean, to tell you the truth, and I've seen many Kickstarters, many Kickstarters, and what, what we've set it at, the goal we've set it at is actually fairly low looking at all the other Kickstarters I've seen out there. Yeah. Most people have a tendency to set their goal at about three thousand to five thousand, and that's not to slide anybody who wants to get their book funded. I totally yeah. understand that you don't yeah. want to have to bring up all the money. Yourself. Oh, and, and it's okay. Anybody who's made a successful model of that, yeah. I'm not going to slight them. I'm not going to make fun of them. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because it, it might have sounded like I was doing that, but no. Um, if that's the way you can work your business model and it's successful. You know, God bless you. Go ahead and do it. Exactly. I'm just saying, with us over Crazy Monkey Inc. and what and Raz has told me specifically is that our Kickstarters are not to fund the books. Our books are basically already funded. Yes. The the Kickstarters he told me specifically are funded 
uh, the, the funding from the Kickstarter is used to fund the distribution. That's it. These are to distribute the books so that everybody gets them quickly and easily, and they don't have to. Uh, and we, and they don't, we don't have to rely on another company to distribute them for us. Exactly. Now, one thing that um, some comic creators that come into the scene kind of like they, they hit a wall uh-huh. is not the creative process itself. No. It is definitely the funding. It's, mm-hmm. okay, I've written this script... I want to shop it around, but I don't have necessarily the financial money to do it. Yeah. What are some ideas that you would give up-and-coming creators that want to make a comic some financial advice as to, you know, where to shop around, how to get the best deal, the best artist, you know, how would you go about doing that? Well, see, that, that's the whole thing. I, I go back to the image. Because <coughs> um, the image guys had a really great idea. That's the whole thing. Is that what uh, the whole the, the whole thing is? Is that um, basically first off, um, when you're giving power to the creator, that's not going to hurt your business. Nope. In fact, you're actually going to create loyal employees. If if, uh, if an employee feels like they're valued, no matter what business they're in, I mean, they could be digging ditches, they could work in construction. And I'm, no, and I'm not slaying anybody oh, yeah, in those I professions. Know. I, did, um, I just can but I'm gonna say, but Yeah, ditches. yeah, you're good, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but the thing is, is no matter what business you're in, if you treat the employee like they're valued, then they're going to stay. You're going to have their loyalty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said that that's that's a template I would use for anybody that works for me, you know, and... Uh, and, and that's exactly what Raz does over Crazy Monkey Inc. He makes everybody there feel as if they're valued, exactly, and, as if their opinion matters, and that they're not, uh, you know, and that they're they're not, you know, you know uh, like uh, being excluded. Yeah. Um. That, so <clears throat> that that's priority number one to me is to value your employees. I do have a bit of advice for those coming up in the comic game. If you can, if it is all, at all possible and you decide to do a rate per page or however you decide to do it, make sure that you get this shit in writing and in legal form. Because, don't, waver, don't waver on it. And don't, don't waver. waver on it because the, the second you decide to waver is when people are going to fuck with you, they're going to screw you over, and they're going to make it seem... That it's all your fault because you well, didn't clarify always, and specify people, people about what all, you wanted. Well, yeah, people are always looking for cracks. Now, now don't get me wrong here. Um, the the thing is, um, you know, um, yeah, don't get me wrong here. But the thing is, is with um, with these. Okay, but uh, anyway, what I was uh, what I was getting at is that uh, I said you know you gotta value your employees, you gotta make sure that they're paid well, and then it's like going on the page rates. Um, the whole thing is, is you got a lot of people that like to take advantage of that, and um, and the problem is is that um, people are always looking for cracks, and uh, and then the whole thing is is if they feel like you're gonna always. Um, differ on your um, on the amount that you're getting paid they're always going to make sure that you're going to get paid the least amount you know if uh, if people t- it's like if you set a firm rate of 
let's say, 30 or 40 bucks a page. Yeah. Um, and they see, and then for the most part, they see that you can, they can talk you down to 10, then they're just going to keep paying you 10. Exactly, and they're not going to yeah. give you your full worth, what yeah. you have set your worth at, because that's really what it yeah. is, is you setting your worth and saying, no, yeah. this is what I'm worth, if you're not willing to pay it, fuck off. Yeah, exactly, and then this whole thing is, you don't have to hire my services. Exactly. That's this whole thing. It's like, this is my rate. If you want to hire my services, hey, pay my rate, and then, hey, I'm not going to slack off. I will give you the best work possible. I've told this to people before. You want to hire me, this is my rate, and... I'm firm on it, and yeah, if you may not like it, fine. You can find somebody else to write your comic scripts for you. But here's the whole thing. If you do pay me, and you're willing to pay me, no, I'm not going to slack off. I will give you the best script I can possibly come out with. Exactly. And I have two very important things for that in a contract. A, make sure you get paid for your services before you start. Oh, because yeah. Because you will get screwed over. Oh, they're, 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 yeah, they're, 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 I know plenty of people, talk to plenty of artists, plenty of writers who got screwed over on a deal because they were promised something later. Exactly. And the second one, when you are paid and you are given um, basically the green light to go ahead and make that happen, it is then your responsibility not to fuck around. You do the best and most diligent and most excellent job and the fastest and the most efficient way possible well, to deadline. get it done because yeah. you give a deadline to it yeah. so that you show them that, A, you are reliable, you mm -hmm. are efficient, and next time they have a project and your name came They know up, they can count on they you. They know you can count on you because if they give you the green light and they pay you and then you fuck around... The, the next, I the, love they're, the going, they're going to refer yeah. you as someone not to hire. Oh, exactly. Well, I love the fact you bring up reliability, and that's the truth. If you can prove yourself to be reliable, all the companies out there, no, you, no matter what it is, if you prove yourself to be a reliable person, whether you're in comic book writing or you're an artist, the whole thing is if you prove yourself to be reliable, they're always going to hire you. They're going to be like, I know this guy. He's always on time. He always does his work. Or, you know, or, or and I'm not excluding women, you know, it's like uh, women as well. But basically, if you prove yourself, no matter who you are, if you prove yourself to be reliable, they're always going to say, hey, this person here. Uh, I can always count on them. They're always on time, and they always give me quality work. Exactly, and it goes with, it goes back to the adage: is to prove your metal. It's to prove that what you say you're going to do, you're going to do. You're not going to fucking waver left no. and right. You're going to say, "Well, I don't feel like creating right now, so yeah. I know you paid me, so I'm going to get to your project next week." No, no. you have. Promise that individual that you are going to get it done in a reasonable if amount someone, of time. Yeah. Or yeah. if that stipulation is brought up, you are then totally supposed to owe them back all the money you took from them because you screwed off and didn't give them the quality work you had promised in the first place. Yeah, That's how I feel. Oh, yeah, exactly. No, I totally agree with that. And that's what I'm saying is that uh, basically it works both ways. The whole thing is is that, yeah, you got to make sure that you don't get screwed over so you're firm on your page rate. Exactly. But you all got to make sure that they don't get screwed over so once you're paid, that work has to be your priority. doesn't matter what you're doing at the time. You could be working on your favorite project whatsoever, but the whole point is is if somebody – 
is paying you for your services, you have got to drop everything else and make sure that that's your number one priority. Exactly. And I had done that in the past, and I'm not trying to dig up old wounds, but I had done that in the past, and I made damn sure Mm -hmm. that when they said, okay, is this script done? I could say, yeah, it's done. I'm going on to the next one. And then, you know what? It, It came to that person could rely on me to where if they said, okay, I need this script at this certain time, I made damn sure I made time to make sure that that time slot happened. Uh-huh, exactly. As I said, if you're being paid, it is your responsibility to get that done. Exactly. Then it's on you. If you've accepted the money for uh, for doing their project, the whole thing is, is you know, right after that, you have an obligation. You have to finish it. Because if you don't, then basically you are a douchebag. I don't care. I don't, I don't give a care who it is or whatever. You are a douchebag. You are basically saying, without saying it, that basically everything else I'm doing is more important than what you've paid me for. And in a way, after a while, that gives you a huge black mark in the comic community and no one's going to want to hire you because yeah. you haven't proven your word is your bond. Exactly. You, you, well, basically, people talk just as they do everywhere. Oh, well, they do. And then word will get around. People will be like, I want to work with this guy. This guy, he's like, like I talked to so-and-so, and they just told me that, uh, that, that this guy accepted cash payment and has not even worked on page one yet. Exactly. And people and artists in the comic community are like that, and you do need to watch out for them because they will screw you over and as sad as it is and i really wish everybody were as honest as pie but that's not the case oh yeah exactly the the thing is is you know you got to know who to work with who not to work with but with either way uh, that's what i'm saying and that's the best advice i give to anybody is the whole thing is if you do not want to screw yourself in the comic industry Make sure your word is your bond. Make sure that whatever if, if somebody gives you a pro, if somebody gives you a project and they pay you for it, you say yes every damn time. You say yes, and then uh, and then you make sure that you get done on time. That's another big rule that a lot of people forget about. They're like, oh, okay, I can't do this in a second. You find a way. You got to make a. You got to find a way because the whole thing is, is that's what companies are looking for. They need to make sure that you can keep coming out with stuff on time. If they can see that you come up with stuff on time, they're like, okay, this is a guy we want over here. Exactly. Now, um, also one more thing along with that is I want people to know that when they hire me to do one of, to draw, write one of their comics, that they are going to be, get the best quality from me. That means I give them open, constant communication. That means mm-hmm. if they need my cell phone number, if they need to text or call me, if they need my email, if they need my Facebook, if they need my Twitter, if they need to get uh, in yeah. contact with me, however they can or want to, yeah. they have that open avenue. And however oh, yeah. it needs to be changed, mm. I am at their will. Because well, then, I'm yeah. writing for them. Well, exactly. And when I said, and the whole point is this: if they're paying you, yes, they'll definitely make sure that you're reliable and do all that stuff. And 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 then what I'm saying is that, uh, um, and then yeah, you, you know, it's good to share information. Uh, one of the ways I like to collaborate with people, and it really helps out, is that um, I always tell them this: I was like, okay, listen, I want to make sure, like, if I'm doing, like, say, an established property or something that somebody else owns, yes, I will always say, okay, listen, this is how I want. I want to be true. 
to your universe and your characters. So what I need you to do is I need you to send me a synopsis. Basically, give me an overview of what you want me to write. And then I will make a script out of that. Exactly. And it is good to be in constant communication with the person that you're writing or you're drawing for. Because if you do something in the script or you draw something that isn't pertaining to what their vision is, that's also another red flag for them. That's also them saying, okay, well, you don't care about my project enough to you know, mm-hmm. bounce ideas off me. If you're willing to change something or you're wanting to change something, at least let me know and then I can give you the yay or nay on it. And yeah. then we can be in constant compromise as such. Exactly. Uh, that's the whole thing. Always constant communication. Because I said, uh, what I do is I said I do the synopsis thing. And then usually what happens is I'll usually write the script based on that. But then, you know, then uh, me and them will sometimes communicate on Messenger or, or, or sometimes over the phone. Um, and if there are, uh, you know, there are certain problems, we'll discuss them. And, yeah. uh, and I'm, I'm usually open to that because, I mean, the whole thing is I'm working for them. I mean, if it's my project, I mean, I will admit I'm a, I'm a little more tyrannical on my projects. It's basically, it's like, it's like no, I'm sticking to my vision. And but, that's okay because yeah. every creator is different, and yeah. it's okay to be stringent yeah. with your own project because you have a certain vision. But that's exactly. Okay. But, but when I'm working on somebody else's, I'm totally with you. When I'm working on somebody else's, I want to be true to what they've established. Exactly. And so, and so, yeah, I always want that constant communication and everything. And then usually, even after I send them my first script, I will always send it to them and I'll say, hey, listen, read this over. And if there's anything you don't like, feel free to let me know and I'll change it. Exactly. And that's showing respect to the person that was... Respecting you enough as an artist and as a creator to give you their baby in a way to write or however you're doing it so that they know that you're trustworthy. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and that's and that's what I'm saying. And so so basically any advice I would give to creators coming in is exactly just what we said. Reliability. Um, making sure things are done on time, making sure things are of quality, yeah, and 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 and, and that's the whole thing. Is like, I see so many people nowadays, and I'm not going to name names because I don't want to, you know, uh, you know, getting uh, any internet uh, uh, war, flame wars. Uh, <laughs> no, you're good. But uh, but the whole thing is, is I I see certain people nowadays. And it feels as if they are compromising on their quality of work. It really feels as if they are basically going for faster, cheaper, faster, cheaper, faster, cheaper. And and the whole thing is is that no, I I think this is the way it should be. Now here's the whole thing. Yes, you should be able to do things on a deadline. That doesn't mean you can't do quality stuff on a deadline. Well, yeah. Yeah. The whole this whole thing. So many people seem to think. You can either only do it fast or only do it good. And I've actually I've actually seen and even worked with some people who can do both. They can do fast and they can do really good art. See, and that says something about them. That says that not only are they trustworthy with getting it out on time, they also but they also care about the quality the of it. Quality of it, yeah. because if the quality sucks, that again also. Inadvertently is another red flag. Yeah. Go, okay, don't work with this guy. Oh yeah, you know, so it goes back to the advice uh, that I, I actually had uh, 
uh, you know, I'd watched an interview with Jack Kirby from years ago, but uh, one of the th- one of the advice he uh, he he talked to people about it was like, um, um, people asked him, "How do you come up with pages so fast?" And he had said, "I learned what not to draw." Exactly. Uh, Jack Kirby to this day is one of the people who could, he could come out. He, he actually could come out with several pages in one day. Most artists are lucky if they get one page a day. Yeah. Um, and, and it's so funny because, yeah, I watched an interview with Jim Valentino, and he was talking about the same, how he had talked with uh, Jack Kirby, and he had said that, and he thought it was amazing. But, yeah, that's what Jack Kirby had told him. The reason he came, had such a fast page rate was because he learned what not to draw. And I actually have to agree. There are some things that some people might spend a little too much time on. I mean, if something's in, like, like something, something's in the background... It, that doesn't really actually have to be so ultra detailed. No, it's in the background. You're not really paying attention to that too much. Um, now, if they're really close to like a building or something, mm-hmm. yeah, I can see why you'd need to detail that because people can be looking at it. Exactly. But if you're if you're uh, looking at something like way in the background, like birds or maybe a uh, or maybe like a plane in the background or something, it's not really going to have to be ultra detailed. No, you can you, you can probably just. Put, uh, put on a small little squiggle that looks like a bird or a plane or something, and mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's the whole thing. So, uh, um, so I can understand that to a degree. The whole thing is, is what what people are going to be looking at is what's mainly in front of them. They'll be looking at the characters, and they're going to be looking about looking at the stuff surrounding the characters. Exactly. But they're not going to be looking at the background. <laughs> I mean, unless they're ultra detailed and finicky, but I mean... Yeah, but what I'm saying is, for the most part, that's what's important. The characters and the stuff that's surrounding the characters. Exactly. Um, and uh, so I understand exactly what Jack Kirby was talking about. And uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's another bit of advice I'd give to young up-and-coming creators. Learn what to draw, but here's the whole thing. He, um, but also, learn to draw it well. Don't compromise on your art because uh, you know because everyone else is. The whole thing is is no. If you have a high standard in your head, keep that high standard. Don't waver from it. Also, as a writer, I would uh, I would encourage this like no other. If you're wanting to get better at writing, just keep on writing. Keep on writing. Take a class. Well, Take a creative writing class. Like well, you and, and actually, I, you and I did that in high school. Oh, yeah. Our, our well, I, I would, I would even go with this. If you can't afford to take a class, and I totally understand this because yeah, classes are can. expensive nowadays. They are. I would say, I would even say this, and this is another way I actually learned how to read. Um, watch interviews from other writers. See about how they talk about their creative Get techniques. Tips. Get tips. Go to your local library. And, and when you go to the library, check out books that are on writing and the art of writing. I mean, that's when, you know, that's the whole thing is like there, there are, there are sources that are available. There are resources that are available to people that, that can help them out even, even if they don't have a whole lot of money. Exactly. You know, and that's what I'm saying is like, so that's what I would encourage is like, if you can, yes, take a class. Um, if you can't afford it. But if you can't afford it, I would say, um, as I said, watch as many interviews from your favorite creators as possible and then check out, check out as many books as you possibly can from your local library on the art of writing. 
and the best way to watch it was how you and I usually do it. I usually go to YouTube and I type in my favorite artist and my favorite writer, and I go to interviews that they would talk about their writing process and how they stumble through and how they've, you know, kind of molded and figured out their magical way of getting it taken care of and how through the years they have crafted. Well, and they found their, their own voiceover. Niche. They've actually found their own voice over the exactly. years. Exactly, um, and that's what you need as a writer is your yeah. own voice. You can't be copying someone oh, well, else yeah. because then you're just going to be seen as another hack. Oh, yeah, well, and then, well exactly. And then, but what, one thing I would tell people up and coming, as I was saying, is that, um, is that with writing is that uh, – um, um, crap, I keep <laughs> – No, you're good. I, 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 I totally keep spacing out what I'm, where I'm going, but – uh, but yeah, well, what I would tell people is, as I said, you know, just just uh, find a way to learn about it any way you can. As I said, whether it's going to school or going to your local library to read uh, read up on it. Um, but then, oh, oh yeah, and now I remember. Um, but keep writing. This is the key thing. This is the key thing right here. Keep on writing. And a lot of people are like, oh, but that just sounds too simple. It is that simple. It really but is. But it's also that hard. The yeah. whole thing is, it's like, yeah. Creating can be hard because then you've got to come up with uh, you've got to come up with your own worlds, your own voice. But the whole thing is, is and it, the, the process of writing itself is really not that hard. Just keep writing, and here's the whole thing. I'm, and, and I totally tell this to everybody I come into is that is that your first stuff's gonna suck. It, it really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, that's gonna deter them from writing. But I'm not gonna lie to people. I'm not gonna lie. Your first drafts are gonna suck. However. If you've got the fortitude to stick it out and keep on going, despite the fact that your stuff sucks, it's going to get better and better and better until you're finally finding, oh, hey, I'm actually doing pretty decent now. Yeah, you look at the writers from back in the day, you look like um, William Shakespeare, you look at Edgar Allan Poe, you look at Emily Dickinson, you look at Charles Dickinson, you look at Charles, uh, Dickens. Charles Dickens, Robert Frost. Um, you look at all of these creators, even John Steinbeck, they had some shit writing. Oh, yeah. The very first. And they didn't, you know, Shakespeare didn't pen Ju Romeo and Juliet the very first day. He no. had to throw paper and inkwells, freaking quills. He had to go through just like See, that's the thing that nobody talks about. That's the thing that nobody talks about. They, they automatically. It's irritating that they don't yeah. talk about that. That's what I'm saying. They, they automatically have this assumption. They had this assumption that great talent was great right from the start. And, and it's uh, not. And it's, it's just no, not. There's no such thing. I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, the only exception I know of is maybe Mozart. But yeah. like, uh, but like, <laughs> but, but to me, uh, from what I've seen, especially of modern creators and of all of us, is that there's no such thing as somebody who's good right out the gate. You know, no, no, nobody, nobody needs like nobody writes their first magnum opus. Nobody paints the Mona Lisa, uh, you know, in two minutes. The thing is, is that it was a process, but they never talk about that process. They uh, people just, uh, and this, you know, and this is sad, but the general public assumes this. In fact, I get questions like this myself. I'll go to a show, and then people will be like, "How are you so good at writing?" You know, <laughs> and and then I'll have to tell them. I just honest. I was like, "Well, you know, it's many nights writing crappy stuff until I started finally started coming up with something good." The thing is, is that no, there's no such thing, and I've never bought into the whole thing of of um, instant prodigies. 
You know, just I, I just have, just haven't seen it. I just have not seen it. I haven't. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. What I've seen is even the people who have a natural inclination for something, yeah, they might learn the process a little bit faster than the average person. Yeah, and that's the But thing. they still had to learn it. They still had to go through it. They still had to even have those nights where they were sitting there writing up all night, and then they're like, oh, God, this is crap, and then they delete the whole thing and then start over again. Exactly. And I know that you and I, we have written – so much shit yeah. before getting to even like the the, the bronze stage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not even we're we're talking, we're talking about like dirt to diamonds here. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, because no, do I consider myself gold standard? Probably not. You know, it's like uh, I I never like to consider myself to be that arrogant. But at the same time, I can I can easily say this. I can easily say this, and this is not arrogance. This is just coming from my experience. No, you're good. Is I am a much better writer now than I was about seven years ago. Exactly. And the reason you are, and the reason I am, is because we dug through it and we kept on writing, regardless yeah. of what, regardless of the shit that came out. Yeah. We kept on writing. We kept on perfecting. We kept on. Being diligent. Exactly. And learning different ways and better ways to write and maybe, you know, how to edit better, how to, you know, what word would sound better in this. So, yeah, so three keys, people, three keys, people, is is, is basically persistence, um, timeliness, and reliability. Three keys right there. Exactly. Now... I know that we have talked the hell out of this podcast. Yeah. However, is there anything else that you are extremely excited about that's coming up in the near future or within the next couple of years that people might want to know about before we end the podcast? Um, well, uh, uh, once again, I'd like to point out um, we end up having two awesome covers made by Gaspar Rico for – Darum number four, yes. which just looked fantastic, by the way. Um, and uh, and Darum number four Kickstarter will be a, will be available in July. Um, we are also going to be posting our first web comic at the end of the month, um, and uh, our good old boss Raz will be making a uh, a uh, announcement about that. Yes, he will. Um, and then once again, I want to reiterate. The Candace Lark is Furious uh, Kickstarter up right now. Please support it. And then also Monsters on the Run number two Kickstarter up right now. Please support that as well. Exactly. All right. I believe that is all for this podcast. I wanted to thank Jared so much for coming again for this podcast. Always a pleasure. You are amazing to interview. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and with that, you folks. Have an excellent night.